Good day, gentlemen. Yes, I cut that uh, song off a little short because I got started late. <laughs> so if you want to listen to the rest of it, go look up Gabe Gooden wherever you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. Look up Knocking on My Door and you can hear the rest of that song. Anyway, glad to have you with us. It's Fridays with the fellas. Today we're talking manhood. That's why, gentlemen... You're here to talk about wisdom and manhood. We're going to continue to look at some Proverbs. Hey, Lewis, glad that you are, are with us. All right, so today we're going to look at three Proverbs and the theme that kind of runs through them, at least in my mind for today, is taking responsibility for your life, for your successes, for your contentment. And what I mean by that is, do you realize how your choices so often lead to your experiences? Or to flip it around the other way, if you're unhappy today, if you are struggling today, if you're not successful today, if life is not going the way you want it to today, oftentimes it's because of choices you made yesterday or some other time in the past. The way God has designed this world to work is that the things that we do, the choices we make today determine what our life is like tomorrow. There's a reaping what we sow concept throughout the scripture. We're going to see that today. And we need to own this as men. This is, this is good news. God is saying, and he's designed the world such that if you want to enjoy life down the road, choose well today. And normally, that's how things will follow. There are exceptions. I have to say this every week, don't I? When we talk about Proverbs. There are always exceptions, and God has the right as the creator to do what he wants with his creation. And sometimes people make really wise choices, and God and his providence for his purposes takes those people down a very different path, a hard path. You think of Job, for instance. But generally speaking, that's not how it works. Generally speaking, if you make wise, righteous choices, the outcome is good and in your favor. And God blesses that and prospers you and you enjoy life. It's kind of like uh, Dave Ramsey. Y'all know who Dave Ramsey is? Uh, he's a good follow. He's a good, good read if you're uh, looking to make wise financial decisions, especially if you don't have a clue what you're doing. Uh, the more astute uh, money handlers can uh, can see that there are better ways to do things, I think, than, than what he suggests. But for the average person, uh, if you follow his seven baby steps, you're probably going to end up in a pretty decent place financially. And what's his phrase? He says something like, uh, live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. Uh, he words it better than that, I think. But the idea is if when you're younger, especially in your 20s and 30s, if you 
sacrifice, if you don't buy new cars, if you put money away, invest it, and so on, if you if you don't spend all the money, but you save it, invest it well, pay off debt, all those things, now when you're younger, then 20, 30, 40 years as compound interest has worked in your favor and you haven't been burdened with debt and so on, and your income goes up, typically, you will live better than your peers at that stage because you delayed gratification, that kind of thing. That's a that's a biblical concept. That is a that's how God made the world. So, just as we get into this discussion today, as men, I just want to encourage us to not play the victim, not let our theology or psychology or whatever take us away from the idea that I'm responsible for my life today, generally speaking, uh, because of the decisions I made yesterday in the past. Again, there are ex- there are other factors, but by and large, that's how it goes. So the first one is very practical, and then uh, it broadens out to a little more principial from there. Here's the practical first one. <laughs> Solomon says, like vinegar to the teeth and like smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to those who send him. Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of vinegar to the teeth. Um, I kind of like vinegar, you know, pickles, pickle juice, that kind of thing. <clears throat> so there must be um, some, maybe it's pure vinegar that is just irritating. But I certainly know the second simile there, smoke to the eyes. When have you ever had smoke in your eyes? Probably you're standing around a campfire trying to uh, cook some s'mores, roast some marshmallows, and the wind shifts and the smoke just gets in your eyes. And oh man, is that irritating. And it gets in the way of your purpose, right? It's, you, you, you can't stand there and keep cooking your, uh, your s'mores or you're roasting your marshmallows because you have to step back. You have to wipe your eyes. Uh, you got to wait for it to clear up and it waters and it takes a while. It, it ruins the event, doesn't it? It's a great metaphor. Well, what's the comparison? If you employ a sluggard, assign a task to someone who is sluggish, and you will see just how irritating that can be and how it will ruin your progress. Ron says, drink some apple cider vinegar. You'll know what they're talking about. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll try that. I, I can see that because we use apple cider vinegar for uh, cleaning things, right? <laughs> the acid or something in it can be uh, can can cleanse things. I, I can see how that must be strong enough to irritate you. So if you are a manager of some sort or you're trying to get a project done and you assign a task to someone who's lazy, someone who's easily distracted and it stops the whole job, you kind of get what he's going after here, don't you? My uh, my son is a crew leader for a, uh, a landscaping company and he's got several guys on his crew and uh, he's had this experience in the past where you, you show up to a big project and you tell this guy, you go and you take the big riding lawnmower and, and you uh, you you know, uh, mow all that lawn over there. You take the hedge trimmer 
or, or rather the uh, the the weed trimmer and go and and trim along the, all the the rock beds and the the different uh, the sidewalk and all that. You take the edger and make that uh, uh, sidewalk edge look really nice and and so on. You sign these tasks, and you've got a whole a full day's worth of work to get done. And you can imagine what it's like if you're the leader and you're done with your project. You look around, a couple guys are done, and then you look over at that guy and he's over there checking his phone, checking uh, Facebook or TikTok or whatever. And now you've got to make up for his lost time because he's been a sluggard. And that puts you behind. And you go to the next project and you assign the guys and the same dude is uh is sluggish doesn't he's lazy he's not getting his work done maybe this time instead of being on his phone because you rebuked him for that now he's just talking to somebody walking down the street or whatever you know the point point is and that affects everybody so you're supposed to get off at 3 p.m you don't get off till five or six now because you had this sluggard Uh, we know what that's like so the practical application is be careful who you entrust work to and this can be true of, of anything. If you hand off responsibility to somebody else, be careful. If you choose someone who's lazy and sluggardly, it can, uh, it can certainly slow you down. Flip it around for a moment. Are you the sluggard? <laughs> are, you the, are, are we the sluggard? And has anybody entrusted to you and me tasks? But because we're online, we're watching TV, sports, whatever, the things that are distracting, we're not getting it done. And now we are the, the smoke in the eye to somebody else. We're the, the vinegar that, that is uh, setting their teeth on edge kind of thing. Well, if, if, we're, if we've assigned tasks to the sluggards and then things don't work out well, at some point that comes back on us, doesn't it? We got to find better employees, better worker bees, that kind of thing. All right, so you know how that goes. Well, let's look at the second one. Fearing the Lord prolongs life, but the lifespan of the wicked will be shortened. Fearing the Lord pro- prolongs your life. What does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to obey Him. It means to live your life knowing you're going to give an account to Him. It means loving what is good and right and hating what is evil. If you do that, it'll prolong your life as opposed to the wicked who their lives get cut off. So think about all the, the ways that Solomon has already said this kind of thing. If you, if you live a life of wanton sin, then it shouldn't surprise anybody when your days are shortened, so to speak, when, when your life is cut off. If you hang out with gangs, if you steal, you're going to get caught. If you do violence, violence is going to come back upon you. Maybe you're going to get arrested and thrown in jail. Maybe you're going to pick on someone who's bigger and stronger than you, has a bigger gun, and he's going to hurt you. Uh, If you commit adultery, fornication, there's uh, STDs, there's the, uh, the ruined life financially, those through those things if you choose sin the ramifications are significant and it can ruin your life 
if you fear the Lord, though, if you make wise, righteous decisions, you are sexually pure, you do not steal from others, uh, you, don't, you don't rob from your employer through time, you, by stealing time because you're wasting time. If, if you choose well what you do with your time and how you spend your life, all things considered, that's going to lead to a long, happy life. Think about this very practically. Okay, so I, all those those um, those illustrations I was just using, the examples rather, I was just using, those are, you know, sort of the big sins that non-Christians commit. But let's flip it around a little bit. If you are married, the Lord commands you to love your wife, to cherish her. If you don't do that, you're going to create friction in the marriage and that can have an impact. See what I'm saying? Our choices impact the quality of life. Let's look at the third one and we'll tie these two together. The hope of the righteous is joy, but the expectation of the wicked perishes. If you're a righteous person, your hope, your expectation is joy. Instead of the shortened, truncated life because you've chosen poorly, you can expect joy in life. Again, back to my example in marriage. Do you cherish your wife? Do you love her? Do you care for her? Do you provide for her? Do you lead her well? You're the head of your wife. That means you make decisions. I see this all the time. Husbands who do not cherish their wives, who don't lead their wives, who don't make decisions, who don't take responsibility for their families on their shoulders. Instead, they, through their passivity, place it on their wife's shoulders, and then they're miserable. And decades of this go on, and sins that should have been addressed, and, and shortcomings that should have been addressed, and weaknesses that should have been addressed by the husband go unaddressed, and then decades later, they live with the, um, the frustrating circumstances because they weren't good husbands. That's, that's on you. And the flip side is true. If you love your, life, love your wife well, if you make decisions, take ownership, exercise headship the way God tells you to, there's good reason to expect a joyful marriage. If you get to the end and you were a poor husband and after a while of that, your marriage is not happy, you got to own that as men. Same thing as with parents, as, as fathers. If you don't raise your children in the fear and discipline of the Lord Jesus, and then they cause you strife, that's on you. You've created the hardships you're enduring. Conversely, if you raise your children well, the way God tells you to, you can expect a joyful outcome. There are exceptions. I know parents who, from what I can tell, 
did a great job and their parent, their children caused them strife. And I know parents that did a miserable job and by God's grace, their kids are, are doing great. They grow up into great adults. But generally speaking, there is a correlation between how you parent and whether your children bring you joy down the road. And if your children don't bring you joy, you need to at least ask the question, is it because I did not raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord Jesus Christ? And own that if you failed. Now, God is a God of grace and he can overcome that and, the, and hope is not lost, but you got to take a responsibility. You got to take ownership. This is true of all kinds of things. Go back to the money for a minute. Are you investing your money well as opposed to going to debt? Do you save money? Do you, do you not spend more than you, in, than you bring in? Those kinds of things. If, if you live the typical American life of maxing out credit cards, taking on debt, buying cars uh, on loans and those kind of things, and then something happens and you're struggling financially, well, the, the, the joyless hardship you're experiencing at that point is on you because you were foolish. On the flip side, use your money well and there's joy to be found in, in, in the prosperity that comes with that. Do you see what I'm talking about? Uh, what I'm getting at is taking responsibility. Don't make excuses. Don't play the victim. Don't push off uh, what you have accomplished or not accomplished based on someone else. Oh, my parents this, my circumstances this, my job this, my boss this, whatever. No, take responsibility. And realize it's never too late. The choices you make today will determine what kind of life you live down the road. That's how God set this up. That's how it works. And look at what Solomon says. Fearing the Lord prolongs life obedience, living life the way the Lord tells you to leads to a long, happy life. The hope of the righteous is joy. Are you making the right decisions? Wise decisions? Morally right decisions? Are you choosing obedience? That is a pathway to joy to a blessed, prosperous life. What do you think? What, uh, what are you hearing as I say this? What are you struggling with? Or are you encouraged by? We live in a victim mentality culture. And Christians are not exempt from that influence. It seems rare today to find a man who takes full responsibility for the decisions that he's made. We make excuses so easily and quickly. And we don't realize I do have significant 
say in the outcome in the future. So two extremes we want to avoid. One is the, the victim mentality. The other is we, in our theology at times, especially if you come from a Reformed theology background, so much of Reformed theology gets dangerously close to fatalism and almost this hyper-grace idea that there is no connection between what we do and what we experience. You know what I mean? It, there's this view that if I think that my making wise choices leads to prosperity and blessing, I'm either a health and wealth guy or I'm denying God's grace. Well, if you read the Bible over and over and over again, reaping what you have sown is a biblical truth in both Testaments. This is how God designed life to be lived. He blesses those who live life the way he tells us to. I gave this advice to my daughter before she got married, and I've given it to my other two. They're not married yet. I don't know how many times I've said this to uh, young men and women uh, who are engaged or about to get engaged. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. If a guy marries a bitter, harsh woman and then he complains in 10 years when she's worse, he's got to blame himself. He, he saw that on the front end. If a woman marries a, a lazy, um, directionless, missionless guy, and then she gets frustrated when he doesn't do anything, that, that was her choice. Right? We, we do these things. Ron says, it is a struggle. Everyone wants to measure up, but in reality, we all for, fall short often. Um, everyone wants to measure up. Uh, trying to figure out kind of what you're getting at there. We fall short. Yeah, I'm not really, um, and maybe I'm misunderstanding you. I'm not really talking about measuring up as much as uh, it's the iron sharpening iron life with transparency uh, oh okay to the proverb standard yes we do fall short well what happens when we fall short get back up and keep going right um, this is good news this is good news at least I mean for me I'm the kind of guy that if I have some input into what the future will be like. Sure, there's a there's a blame factor like, oh, I wish I had done things differently, but all right, I didn't do things differently a year ago, but I can start now. So that a year from now, things are better because I'm putting in the work now. Well, anyway, uh, appreciate the, uh, the comments there, Ron. As men, we have to take responsibility for our lives. And it's good news that we can make a difference in our own 
success, contentment, and future prosperity. That's how God designed things to be. So do it, gentlemen. Be careful who you employ. Don't employ the sluggard. (laughs) Fear the Lord. Pursue righteousness and expect joy. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Uh, We will see you Monday, and we're going to start a new series on Romans on Monday morning. So come back for that. Have a great one. Talk to you later.